Thank you, all you musicians. Thank you, worship team. What a joy it is to see that worship and what a, new ele- what a nice element it adds to our service. And thank you. Uh, congregational singing, I believe, is bringing down heaven to this place because I believe that heaven is a place of worship. It's a place that the Bible describes as a place of worship. And I hope that you love worship because that's what we're going to be doing in heaven is worshiping. And so um, I hope that you uh, fall in love with worship. And if you don't or you haven't yet, I pray that this year will be a year that you will do exactly that. In fact, um, this morning's message is a little bit about that, um, about how uh, we want to go from worry to worship. And if you have your Bible, go to the little uh, book, prophetic book of uh, Habakkuk. It's one of the, of the uh, little books, and uh, it's going to be about three quarters of the way through your Bible. So if you've got your Bible, you stick your finger about three quarters of the way through it, you'll find close to that section, uh, you'll find Habakkuk. It is surrounded by several other little minor prophets, uh, and uh, they're only called minor prophets and major prophets. What divides them is just the volume of their book. It's not that some had a, be- a better career in college and they had uh, majors and others had minors. No, it's just the length of the book of uh, the Bible. And so what makes a minor prophet is that it's kind of small, so it's minor. And what makes a major prophet is they wrote a little bit more, and so uh, they would be majors. And uh, to help you think about that, just think of Pastor Jeremy's messages and my messages, all right? So major prophets, minor prophets, uh, that's, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It is, uh, it's always good to preach God's word. It's always a privilege to be behind this pulpit, and I appreciate the confidence of Pastor Jeremy to allowing me to fill the pulpit this morning, and my heart's desire is that the moments that we share together would not be a futile effort in religiosity, in a ritual tradition. That is the worst and furthest thing that I want to accomplish here this morning. My desire is that we would do uh, something that is active and real and practical, something that you take with you today, and it's applicable this this afternoon, it's applicable this week, it's applicable this year, because I believe God's Word was intended that way. This is not an academic study. This is not a spiritual study solely. This is an entirely all-encompassing uh, activity that we're doing. And you're not here to hear Pastor John give a speech. Uh, you know, you're not here to, to just uh, be able to fill your, your Sunday with saying, I went to church. Uh, this is something that requires an effort on both of our parts. Um, Preaching involves both the preacher and the listener. Um, There is not preaching taking place if there's just a preacher and no listeners, and there's not preaching taking place if there's only listeners and no preachers. And so preaching requires both of us. And so this morning, whether you are my youngest son, Jaden, or whether you are the oldest person in the room, I won't. I won't say who it is, Mr. Norm, and, uh, and uh, whoever you are, right, uh, you, no matter where you're at in this room, we're all here to learn, to grow, and that's what the effort of what we're going to do here in these next few moments is all about. Well, Habakkuk is, is a neat book. I've spent this week studying about it, and uh, I've just really just resurged in my love and appreciation for Habakkuk. Habakkuk is an interesting book because I told my kids yesterday as we were here playing basketball in the gymnasium on our way over here, I said, uh, you know, um, Habakkuk is one of the only books in the Bible that is a, a, a solely a conversation between man and God. That, that's what it's all about. All three chapters is a conversation. Now, we find portions of this in books like Job, and we find portions of this in other books of the Bible, but the entire book of Habakkuk in all three chapters is just a conversation between man and God. And what a beautiful picture. 
picture that is. What a wonderful thing to examine on a Sunday morning is exactly that. Because do you realize that that is exactly what God wants to take place today? Do you realize that that is exactly what God wants to take place in our lives? Is just to have a conversation with us. It's all based on a relationship with us. And so this morning, that's what we want to study. I put for you a chart that is not original with me. By the way, I do have notes. So this is starting my New Year's resolutions, guys. All right, so when I preach, I'm going to bring notes. Um, we'll see how quickly I break that. But no, I, uh, I'm resolved to do that. I don't know about you. I hope that you've had some New Year's resolutions yourselves to say, hey, this is something I want. The ushers have those notes, by the way. If you didn't get a note or you didn't grab one from the table there, the ushers can get one to you. And I would love for you to do that because it will help you, as we will learn here, to be able to just get the full effect of what we want to accomplish this morning. But there in Habakkuk, I put a chart there, and that kind of gives a, a, a panoramic view um, of, of Habakkuk's questions and answers. Habakkuk complains, uh, then we find God's decrees, God's answers, and Habakkuk listens, and then we find the praise, the testimony as Habakkuk prays. And, and I put there, or there on the chart, excuse me, there are two verses in little bubbles. And it starts out with verse 2 of chapter number 1, and the phrase is, how long shall I cry? This is Habakkuk saying, here we are, okay, here we go. Travel with me in history. And here we are, we're about 600 years thereabouts um, before Christ comes onto the scene. And here, Judah, uh, Jerusalem, uh, they are going through a hard time. It's a sad time because God is using some very evil people, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, to come and to destroy what the prophets would view as, as God's select chosen special people, the good guys. And here, uh, the prophets that we find in Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, Habakkuk, they're, they're wrestling with the fact that, God, what's going on? Why are the bad guys winning? What's going on? And so that's what Habakkuk is complaining about. He's, like, he's saying, God, how long am I going to cry and see this desolation, this destruction in front of me? And not only that, I have a question for you, God. Where is good in this world when evil is prevailing? And man, I can't find a better book to examine in the year 2020, 2021 right? To look at that and to say, God, man, what's going on? Man, it seems that there's trial. There's, there's turbulence, man. We, there's nothing but burden. There's restlessness. There's problems. I have some complaints. I have some confusion. And what I find in the back, as I put there in that first paragraph under our title of our, wor of our message this morning, Worry to Worship, I said Habakkuk moves from burden to blessing, from worry to worship. He, he moves from restlessness to rest, from a problem to God's person, and from a complaint to a consolation, from confusion to confidence. I don't know about you, but I sure want to be on that journey. Because I know that in Pastor John's life, 2020 left a lot of those first parts of those phrases, and I want us 2021 to be a lot of those last parts of those phrases. I would like to, I'd like to travel from worry to worship. I would like to go from burden to blessing. I'd like to go from restlessness to rest. I'd like to go from confusion to confidence. I don't know about you. Maybe you're entering 2021, and this, uh, what is this, the th uh, third day of the year, and you're like, hey, Pastor John, I've been on that high. I've been good. I've been good for several months. Man, you, that's great. Praise the Lord for it. But me, at least, I need this today. I need this today. I need what Habakkuk found and what Habakkuk was led to on that journey from worry to worship because I desperately need of that truth. So this morning, 
my desire is to take four crucial verses in the middle of this book, four crucial verses that will instruct us, four crucial verses that were written for us what would be about 2,600 years ago, as the man of God, and we were talking about this with my kids, I was saying, how do you think that was? A lot of theological debate whether there was an audible voice from God to that prophet that would say, all right, Habakkuk, write the following things. Was it like that? Was it a a still small voice inside of him that would give him the exact words to write? But nonetheless, we know that biblically speaking, God would communicate with with that prophet and he would sit there and he would write down what God had inspired him to, the, to say. In the New Testament, we find the, the verse that talks about holy men of God spoke as they were led by the Spirit of God. That's how we arrive with these 66 books of the oracles of God's truth. The inspired, infallible, unlying, cannot contain error, word of God. And so in the middle of that, I'd like to take us on this journey of these verses, and time is fleeting, so let's get there. Verse 1 of Habakkuk chapter 2, it's on the screen if you don't have your Bible. If you've got your Bible, open it there, because I'd love for you to underline some stuff. It says this in verse number 1, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I will answer, and what I shall answer when I am reproved couple things in this wonderful King James Version. Um, we got to understand what's happening. Remember, Habakkuk throws out some questions to God. And he says, God, here it is. Why are the bad guys winning? Where are you? There's good people around us that are dying, that are suffering. There's a nation that was once good that's being demolished and destroyed. What is taking place? I have some complaints. And that's where we find ourselves in chapter 1. And so when we start chapter 2, that's what's taking place, is that the prophet of God has said, God, I've got something to say. Then we enter chapter 2 and verse number 1. A couple words there. says in the last part of verse number 1, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Kind of gives a negative connotation. Uh, when you're reproved, uh, if you go ask any of these students, uh, did you, did you uh, get a reproval from your, from your teacher? They'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. I can. They told me I failed or uh, they told me I was talking too much. I got a detention. You, you were reprimanded. You were reproved. That's not exactly what's being said. It, the prophet's saying, I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to present to him my case, my cause, my thoughts. But then I, I'm going to wait for him to instruct me. I'm going to wait for him to show me what needs to happen and what is the truth of the matter. And that's exactly what we find in chapter number two. We find God coming and saying, all right, that's what you see, but here's what the truth is. Here's what's happening. And that's what we find in verse number one. Verse number two says, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it shall surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, you know I have tried my best to prepare to present this message, but Father, you know that if it is not for your spirit, if it is not for your holy word, all that I say would be in vain. But I pray, Father, that it will work the work that you want to work in every heart and every life. 
You know every situation. You know every application of your word in every life. And I pray that it would accomplish so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Three things that I see that led from worry to worship. Three things that I see that led from a burden to a blessing, that led from confusion to confidence. Three things that I see that unfolded before Habakkuk that made all the difference in the world. And I pray that you and I this morning would do exactly those things, that we would understand the need for these areas. Number one there in your notes, I pray that we would man your post. You say, what does that mean, John? Man your post. How is that man your post? Well, it it comes from like a military term. Uh, You got to understand back in this time, in Habakkuk's time, you know, every city would be like what we see in those olden movies uh, with those castles, uh, with those cities, with with the walls surrounding them. And and on that wall would be a soldier placed there. And that soldier, he would be placed at his post. And that post was an important post because that post was the lookout. That post was the position where a thing, information would be conveyed, where things would be communicated, where the enemy would be spotted. It was important for that soldier to be in his post because truth was going to come through that post. Uh, information was going to come through that post. And here this morning, Habakkuk says in Verse number one, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. I will watch to see what he will see, uh, say unto me. Uh, this is the, the, uh, the, the, um, the communication that we find. We find that as Habakkuk comes to God and he presents his complaints, as he comes to God, he presents his worry as to what's taking place. But notice how he went from worry to worship, number one, he manned his post. What do you, what do you mean by that, Pastor John? Well, I put there letter A. He made a conscious choice. He made a conscious choice. He said, I will stand. I will stand. Oh, dear friend, this morning, as we are navigating these times, as we are navigating a time of worry, a time of fear, as we've studied and we've researched, um, there have been many now surveys that have come out that where people's worry, where people's anxiety was in the beginning of 2020 on January 1st and where it was on December 31st of 2020, uh, we all have collectively grown in that anxiety, that worry. How do we go from that worry to worship? Well, Habakkuk says, man your post. Make a conscious choice. I will stand. I will stand. This was a volitional, a voluntary uh, choice on behalf of the prophet. This was something that he said in and of himself. um, I will not ask of God and walk away. No, I will ask of God and I will man my post to see truth. I will stand where I need to stand. Can I tell you something, dear friend? It's January 3rd, 2021. It's three days into the new year. And if you're going to go from worry to worship, you need to stand in your position. You need to make a choice to say, I'm going to be where I need to be to hear from God, to see truth from God. Dear friend, I commend you this morning for being in the house of God. I commend you this morning for listening the truth of God, because by doing that, you are making that conscious choice of saying, I will stand. And the prophet said, I will stand upon my watch. 
I will stand in my position in a place where I can receive that answer from God. We see a conscious choice, but not only that, we see complete resoluteness. Uh, Here in, in the King James, it goes on to say, and set me upon the tower. Really, uh, it could be uh, uh, translated because, again, the idea is that military post. Uh, in an- another version, it says, I will station myself. Uh, you, you understand that what's taking place here is that the prophet is saying, not only am I making a choice, but then I am, I am resolute in where I'm going to be at. I am taking this station. I am willing to, to, to stand here in the position that I know I will wait upon God's answer here. This is where I am resolute. I will station myself. In the King James, it says, I will set me. We don't talk that way anymore, but you would understand if I said station myself. Uh, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, um, um, uh, in walks the general to the, to the room. What does all the, the f- private first class uh, soldiers do? Boom, stand at attention. They take their station to themselves. They stand resolute as to where they're at. Dear friend, this morning, as we're traversing these confusing times, what we need to do is we need to man our post. We need to be in a place where we make a conscious stand. We make a conscious choice to stand. We make a complete resoluteness to stay, to say this is where we will stand. Here that word means I will stand firm as in a state of inner strength. Can I ask you this morning, where are you stationing yourself this year? Where are you stationing yourself this year? What do you stand firm on? You stand firm on your political view. You stand firm on where you and your family are going to be or do or accomplish. All of those things are good and have their place, but may we stand firm where God can speak to us. Because perhaps you, like I, we have a lot of questions of God today. And how Habakkuk got his answer was by manning his post. He made a conscious choice. He became complete resolute in what he was and where he was going to be. And then the Bible goes on to say, I will watch to see what he will say unto me. He made the complete choice, the, comp- the conscious choice. He made a complete resoluteness to be able to be in con- to have control awareness, to control his awareness. I put there in quotations because um, that word uh, will watch is to keep watch. Uh, this is the idea. I'm going to be on that wall. I'm going to look towards where that truth is going to come from. I'm going to be stationed where I'm supposed to be stationed. I'm, I'm going to be firm in where I'm supposed to be. And, and, and I'm going to keep watch. I will watch. Can I tell you this, dear friend? Here's what, the, here's what the prophet was saying. He was saying, I'm not going to ask a question of God and walk away. I'm not going to ask a question of God and walk away. Can I tell you something, dear friend? We may get the wrong idea sometimes in religion that God doesn't want questions. We may get the idea that God doesn't want to be doubted or questioned. Can I tell you something? God understands that we doubt and we question. He doesn't come to Habakkuk and say, what do you mean? Don't you know what I've done when I brought Israel out of Egypt? Don't you know all that? How dare you question me? No, no, no. He comes home and he says, I understand your questions. And the fact that you're in a place for my answer is why I will answer you. 
Oh, dear friend, what happens? What happens? Here's what happens. We have waited for a while, and thinking there was no answer, we have gone our way. But as we have turned the first corner, the post has come in. God's ship has touched our shores, but there is no one to unload them. His letters lie at the post office, but no one goes to get them. It is not enough to direct your prayer unto God. We need to look up. We need to look out until the blessing alights on your head. When we ask what is according to his will, we will receive while we pray. I can tell you, dear friend, that here's what happens. We need to be like Habakkuk and ask the tough questions, and that's okay. But we need to be where God can answer us. You need to man your post. Make a conscious choice this year to say, I'm going to be where God speaks. And guess what? God doesn't speak at main event. He, he doesn't speak at BJ's restaurant. He, he doesn't speak at the baseball diamond. I love the baseball diamond. I love the basketball court, but he doesn't speak at the basketball court. God uses the preaching of his word. God uses his holy infallible word. God uses the places that he has left in store in how he communicates truth to his people. And we as Christians, we ask the question much like Habakkuk the prophet, but we must man our post. Make a conscious choice this morning to say, 2021, I'm going to stand. I'm going to be firm. I'm going to be consistent. It's not something that I'm going to ask of God something and walk away. You see, I find many Christians that I say, man, man, I wish you would have been here Sunday, December this. Man, I wish you would have been here February uh, this. Or I wish you would have been there April this because that message would have encouraged you. I can't tell you how many times I've counseled somebody and uh, here I am counseling them on a Friday and I can think, man, last Sunday the message was just about this. And the Sunday before that, Pastor Jeremy had just preached on that. If only you had been in your post, God could have spoken to you. And Habakkuk said, Man your post. Make a conscious choice. I will stand. Yes, there is confusion. Yes, there is worry. Yes, there is burden. But how do you go from burden to blessing? How do you go from confusion to confidence? Man your post. Man your post. Secondly, we find not only do we need to man our post, but we need to maintain clarity. Maintain clarity. Oh, this is so crucial, dear friend, this morning. It says in verse number two, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. And make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Man, that last phrase, let me tell you. I literally read like 30 different interpretations of that he may run that readeth it. It's very interesting. A lot of debate about what that phrase means. But here's what is very simple. Maintain clarity. Number two, maintain clarity. I put there letter A, record his message. Record his message. Now, for the Old Testament prophet, it was literally taking God's inspired word and writing it down on tablets of clay or tablets of stone so that it could be remembered for generations to come that this was what God answered the man of God at this specific occasion. Well, can I tell you, dear friend, that today you and I, we have exactly what God wanted us to know for these last 2,000 years as his completed word came to fruition. And we're, we're blessed to, to have his solid, concrete word in our hands. But you know something? Here's what I found. When I talk about, and when I believe the scripture talks about maintain clarity, and I said record his message, I mean this. I want to encourage you this morning 
to record what Scripture means to you. To you. This is God's inspired, recorded message for the world. But you know that God doesn't want to work that way? Jesus proved this time and time again. He was around the crowds, but he always spoke to one. God wants to speak to you. And though theologically I may not agree with my friends who said, I received a word from God this morning. See, in the year 2021, that's not the case. You don't receive a word from God. God fulfilled and completed his, his word 2,000 years ago as he left his recorded word. Now, you can take and apply his word to your life. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. You and I, we may not record his word for the world, but we can take scripture and we can go through Psalms 1 and say, blessed is the man, this and this and this. Man, that means I would be blessed. I will live a blessed life if I don't walk in the way of ungodly. That means today, John, you know what you need to do is you need to find if there's any paths in your life that's leading in the way of the ungodly and I need to not walk therein because that's what Psalms 1 says. And I'm asking you, dear friend, that if you want to go from worry to worship, if you want to go from burden to blessing, if you want to go from confusion to confidence, then you need to maintain clarity. You need to focus on the clear message of God for you. Can I ask you a couple quick questions that I pray will be important for you this new year? Where's your prayer journal? Where's your prayer journal? Where is that journal, that word that says, on January 3rd, I prayed that I would have a job continuously this year. And on December 31st, you can look back and say, man, I prayed for that. And God provided month after month after month. You know, I prayed because my son was sick and he had this condition and I prayed for that on February the 3rd and you know what? Here it is on June the 6th and we went to the doctor and everything's clear and everything's good and you say, Pastor John, I remember that. Oh, well, really? Wow. It's an amazing memory. I don't. I need to write it down because there are times where I need to maintain clarity. There are times where things trip and fall in my life, and I need to go back and say, yeah, but God was good, and God was faithful, and God answered. I prayed, and God answered. Where are your Bible notes this morning? Oh, dear friend, young person, can I encourage you? I, I started at 18. I wish I would have started sooner. I really do. I have a Bible from when I started at 18 years of age, started taking notes. And, and next to every time that I listened to my dad preach, I put there the date and dad preached. Circled the passage or put lines around it. Then at college, I decided, you know what? I just want to remember everybody that I hear preach. So somebody went to a passage, I would write it down, write that person's now, name down and the date. And I used that Bible up until four years ago. And then four years ago, I got this Bible. And now I've got things in my Bible where I'm looking and I'm saying, okay, Pastor Jeremy, he preached here. Oh, I, I listened to this message here. Oh, you know what? We had R.B. Olette, Dad, 8, 20, 17. He preached out of Colossians 6 and 7. 
Evangelists uh, uh, preached out of uh, uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. And I can sit here and I can go through my Bible. And the Bible spoke to me in a certain way through a certain avenue. And I have it recorded. Why? Because I want to maintain clarity. I want to record His message to me. Where are your Bible notes? Where are your sermon notes? That was one of the things why I have a New Year's resolution. I was convicted as I was studying this. And I said, you know what? There should be notes. There should be notes. Uh, by the way, just, just a side note. One of the reasons I did not like notes because I'm like, I want to be able to go wherever I want to go with my message. You know, if I go a different direction, I go a different direction. But you know what? It was just a matter of, you know what? It's true. Helps people remember. You remember 10% of what you listen to. You remember 40% of what you listen to and you write down. Man, it just incrementally grows the amount of retention our minds have if we do something else with it. But you know what? I hope that maybe this year in 2021, you'll start that file. And you'll have your notes from the first day, January 1st. And then from January 3rd. And then from January 10th. And January 17th. February. March. And come next November, you'll be able to go back and say, Oh, I remember Pastor John preached about worry to worship. Here are those notes. Let me review them. And be encouraged by them. Maintain clarity. Man, time's slipping away. Record his message. Write your course. You see, here it says, make it plain upon tables. Make it plain upon tables. Oh, this is so important. Look at what it says. Uh, it says there, write your course in my notes. I put it down this way. Uh, that is to boil it down. That is, uh, that is uh, God is straightforward. His message is simple and plain. Uh, I love this example. Um, a teacher one time asked, um, I want you all to draw a crooked line. And then they drew a crooked line. And then he said, I want you to draw a straight line. And they turned the pages in, and he said, I want to teach you something. He said, every one of you will have a different crooked line. No two will be the same. But when it comes to making a straight line, all of you have the exact same one. And that is to say that God's approach is very straightforward and simple because it's right. It's truth. And truth comes only in one format and only one way, God's word. Oh, we can all mess up and we can all have crooked paths in different ways, but make right your course. How do I maintain clarity? By boiling it down to the simple truth of God. You know, God, we, he doesn't make things complicated and complex. He is very straightforward. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He makes it very clear, very simple, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, we've, had all, we've added all these complaints complexities to religion. We've made it all these different things. But you know what? God is a very simple, straightforward God. Write your course. Make it straight. Make it simple. Make it straightforward. I love that. In verse number two, it says, and the Lord answered me. By this, that is to say, uh, and you could translate it differently, then the Lord answered me. Instead of that word and, uh, though both of them are fine, but then, it's important. It's a, it's a time-sensitive word. It should always prompt us to pause and to ponder the passage, to look at what is happening, why, what has just happened. Habakkuk does not say how long he had to wait for the Lord's answer, but from verse 1, his attitude and action clearly reflect the fact that he trusted, he believed, had faith in the Lord that he would answer. Oh, dear friend, write down the message. 
Wait upon God as we're there on the watchtower, as we're there at our post. We're waiting. Sure, we have questions of God. Sure, we have confusion. And we look around us and we say, why didn't this happen? And why didn't that happen? And why did so-and-so have to go through this? And why did my family have to go through that? But we come to a place where we man our post. We make a conscious choice. We're resolute. We're going to be having that inner strength. We're going to keep watch. We're going to be aware. And then we're going to let the word of God maintain our clarity. We're going to record our, his message to us. We're going to write our course. We're going to make it straight. We're going to reflect on the fact that God does answer. God does answer, though he may not answer the way and when we want. Look at verse number three. It says this. It says, uh, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now, in the King James, what a funny thing. Look at that first phrase, that first time in the phrase, it says, and though it tarry, wait for it. And then it says one phrase, because it shall come. And then it says, it will not tarry. Wait, wait, you say, Pastor John, isn't that the Bible? Isn't that like contradicting itself? It says, it will not tarry. And then it says, it says in the first part, it, it will tarry. <laughs> well, that's because, again, you got to remember, it's the conversation between man and God. You see, that's because according to man's schedule, man's schedule is this should happen right here. This should happen right here. I should get this blessing right here. This should take place like this. My problem should end right here. And that is man's schedule. But God has a different schedule. He has his own schedule. And the vision that he gives, the answer he gives, how he comes to soothe, how he comes to take from worry to worship, how he brings a blessedness from brokenness, how he goes from confusion to, to confidence. What takes place there is not according to our timeline, it's according to his. And so therefore, humanly speaking, we may feel like it's tearing. If, just to go back to the direct connection of what's taking place here. Habakkuk is waiting for God to come and wipe the floor with the Babylonians and the Chaldeans who are destroying God's people, who are bringing destruction and problems to God's people. And he's saying, God, when are you going to come and put them in their place? And God says, I will. I will. He said, well, now. He said, well, no. If you're waiting on your timeline, it's going to feel like you're going to have to wait. It's going to be tearing. But I know, I have the appointed time for everything that's going to take place. Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. That means that there's a fullness of time according to God's calendar. That means that God knows exactly when this was going to happen, when that was going to happen, when this is going to happen. And he knows it on the big things, guys, and he knows it in the little things in our lives. And what is our duty then as we're sitting there waiting for God's answer? We are to maintain our post. Man your post. We are to maintain clarity. Make sure that the things of this world are not robbing you of the spiritual vision that you should be having. You say, Pastor John, how do I not let the world rob me of that vision? By sticking your nose in where God speaks. By making sure you make of this book personal to you. That's why I encourage you to have one in your hand that you can write your name on the front of it, that you can say, this is mine. And I'm going to write in it my notes as God speaks to me. I'm not a writer, guys. I'm not. I don't like to write. I, I, I have the, the blessed gift of doctor's handwriting. So sometimes I can't even read my own handwriting. But I admire my wife. She's a writer. 
And I could take you to our room right now and you will find volumes of journals of her walk with God. And I can encourage you and say that does not mean that every road has been rosy for her. But I can tell you this, she's known God in a different way. And I can encourage you in this, that it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, what your educational level is, you can maintain clarity by your walk with God's word, making sure his message is recorded, making sure that you remember his vision, his answer, his truth. You see, for Habakkuk, his truth was the truth of the fact that God was going to come and rescue Israel. And 70 years later, after Babylon had wiped the floor and taken them to captivity, 70 years later, there would be a remnant of Israel that would come back to his land. And he would see the blessing of God once again in his land. And God had promised that. And God said, I'm going to wipe the floor with the Babylonians. And he just wanted it now. And God said, no, I'll tell you when. You see, but he had to be at the right place. He had to record God's message. He had to, throughout that time of waiting, he had to remember his vision, remember God's truth. Oh, man, Spurgeon wrote a wonderful, uh, um, excuse me, not Spurgeon, somebody else wrote a wonderful answer in regards to that vision and our tendency to lose sight of it. Listen to this carefully. Listen to it. I have it there in your notes. It's there in your notes. Vision. If we lose the heavenly vision, God has given us, we alone are responsible, not God. We lose the vision because of our own lack of spiritual growth. If we do not apply our beliefs about God to the issues of everyday life, the vision God has given us will never be fulfilled. The only way to be obedient to the heavenly vision is to give our utmost to his highest, our best for his glory. This can be accomplished only when we make a determination. Again, man your post. Make a determination to continually remember God's vision. Keep watch. Control awareness. Keep watch. Says here, remember God's vision. But the acid test is obedience to the vision in the details of our everyday life. 60 seconds out of every minute, 60 minutes out of every hour, not just during times of personal prayer or public gatherings or public meetings. Dear friend, this morning, God's got truth. It's his vision for us. For the prophet, it was a vision that was revealed to the prophet of which he would inscribe on stone tablets. It would be placed in the temple and everybody would go. And what God wanted in verse number two was that it would be placed in a way that was easy and simple and plain and straightforward to understand. Make the course right. Make it straight. Make it straightforward. And what it is to us is that God's truth is such that he wants it to be understood plain to us today in the year 2021. He wants it to be simple and straightforward and for us to get that vision and to not lose sight of it. You say, Pastor John, how do I lose sight of it? You lose sight of it when there's a worldwide pandemic and all of a sudden it's not so comfortable to be under God's preaching in his house. You lose sight of it because it seems that there's more problems than there are solutions. You lose sight of it when it looks like there's more confusion and we lose confidence. But if we go back to the truth, we understand that though we don't have an answer and though according to our timeline, this pandemic should have been over in March, uh, we understand that God's timeline is not our timeline. And as he, and as he brings a, 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 a holy polishing to the world, as he brings a holy polishing to the nation of the United States of America, as he brings a holy polishing 
polishing to Bethany Baptist Church as he brings a holy polishing to John Mendoza this morning. I need to wait under that. Man my post. Maintain clarity that God is doing a work and not lose sight of the truth of Scripture and say, God, you are doing something in here. You have a plan, a purpose for my life. Speak to me now. In our last remaining six minutes here, I want to go on to verse number four. It says this, behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. This uh, first phrase, it's speaking of the Chaldeans and the Babylonians in the, in the specific context of Habakkuk's answer. God, as he speaks, he's saying, look, they are prideful, okay? They are full of, pri- of proudness, of pride, and, and he, he paints a, a, a word picture for him. Uh, the word picture there is his soul, which is lifted up, okay? Uh, this in the original language would be the idea of what we would call you big-headed fool, right? That's, that's, a, that's a phrase you would, you would use to somebody, you cut down somebody or an insult to somebody. You big-headed. That's the specific word picture that's being given there in the original language. It's somebody's head's getting bigger, puffed up. Another translation, if you have a different translation in front of you, it would, it would use the word puffed up. And, and, and pride, that's what it does. Pride, it puffs us up. And that's what happened to the Babylonians. That's what happened to the Chaldeans. They were puffed up. They were eating up nation after nation. And eventually, they ate one too many. They turned on them, destroyed them. And that's how Israel was free and was able to go back to its country. But we find there this pride was swelled up in them. But then we find one of the most important phrases of the entire Old Testament. You say, Pastor John, how do, how do you know that? It's repeated three times in three important passages by Paul as he lays out the New Testament truth of the gospel for us. This phrase is, is, is repeated in different ways throughout the New Testament, reiterating one of the biggest truths. In fact, it, it's one of the truths that throws out a, long, a lot of the misconceptions that the, Israel, the Israelites had and that people had of the Old Testament way to God. Because many people thought that by keeping the law was how they were going to get to God. That by being a doer of every single requirement and never failing and never stumbling and never committing a mistake and never falling into sin and never falling into addiction and never falling into those things was the only way to God. But this verse proves differently and this phrase proves differently. Say, Pastor John, what is that phrase? But the just shall live by his faith. The concept of faith was not new. Abraham was the father of the faith. But that specific way of putting it, of saying that the just shall live by his faith. You know, I I put there the amplified version of verse number four because I feel like it paints the picture of where I'm going in the last few three minutes, four minutes that I have left. It says, look at the proud. His soul is not straight or right within him. Going back to, again, that maintain clarity. His, his, His path is crooked. Ours should be straight. His path is crooked. Ours should be straight. His path is not straight or right within him. But the rigidly just, the uncompromisingly righteous man shall live by his faith and in his faithfulness. 
Oh, dear friend, I can tell you this morning, I can tell you this morning that we should be among the righteous. We should be among the rigidly just, among the uncompromisingly righteous. Why? Because, listen, uh, I love this, di- this uh, dichotomy that you find here in Habakkuk 2.4. Oh, the proud one, he trusts in himself. The just one lives by faith. The proud one, he knows the way of the ungodly. The just one, he knows the way of the godly. The proud one knows the way of unbelief. The, the righteous godly knows the way of faith. Uh, the proud one is in the way of the wicked. Uh, the way of the righteous is, uh, the, the way of the just is the way of the righteousness. The, the proud one, he submits to no one. Uh, the just one submits to God. The proud one, he is puffed up, arrogant and proud. Uh, the just one exhibits trustworthiness, faithfulness. Oh, the proud one is among the lost. The just one is among the saved. The proud one is not right with God. The just one is right with God. The proud one is among the ain'ts. The just one is among the saints. The proud one will die eternally. The just one will live eternally. The proud one is described as having a destiny in hell, according to Matthew 7, 13. The just one is described as having an eternity in heaven, according to Matthew 7, 14. Dear friend, this morning, what I'm telling you is that we should be among the just. Number three, master your faith. Three ways in which we get from worry to worship. Number one, we man our posts. Number two, we maintain clarity. Number three, we master our faith. Our faith. How do I master my faith? I just laid out for you. You need to forsake the proud. Forsake your pride. Oh, dear friend. <sighs> I tell you something, guys, this morning. There is nothing more difficult than that phrase and that request that I just made of you. I have there what what Spurgeon said there at the bottom there, that phrase. Is there a sin that is universal? If there is a sin, excuse me, that is universal, it is this. Speaking of pride. where where, Where is it not be found? Hunt among the highest and the loftiest in the world, and you shall find it there. Then go and search amongst the poorest and the most miserable. And you shall find it there. There may be as much pride inside a beggar's rags as in a prince's robe. And a harlot may be as proud as a model of chastity. Pride is a strange creature. It never objects to its lodgings. It will live comfortably enough in a palace. And it will live equally at its ease in a hovel. Is there any man in whose heart pride does not lurk? And I may answer, no. As I propose to you the way from worry to worship. As we enter this new year, may I encourage you to fight against pride. Oh, dear friend, it's found in Pastor John this morning, and it's found in the youngest among here, in the teens among here, in the, old, in the adults among here, in the eldest among here. It's in all of us. And if we're going to be able to master our faith, the way you get to master your faith is by forsaking pride. Forsake pride. The Chaldeans, the Babylonians, it led to their destruction. But the destruction came to their behalf, on their behalf towards Israel because of Israel's pride. And, and we find that the truth is, is that it came and destruction comes to many and to every one of us that is filled up with pride. Huh. I like this story of John Bunyan. 
Once a man came to John Bunyan. John Bunyan wrote the book Pilgrim's Progress, the next to the Bible, the most published, well-known book in the entire world. And once a man came to John Bunyan after a sermon, and he told him what a fine sermon he preached, to which John Bunyan turned to him and said, you're too late. The devil told me that before I stepped down from the pulpit. Satan can tell the praying brother to be proud of his ability to pray, the growing brother to be proud of his growth, or even the humble brother to be proud of his humility. Pride is in all of us, and we must fight it with everything we've got. Because in so doing, we will master our faith, and in mastering our faith, we will be able to see our worries turn to worship. We will be able to see, I have cried unto the Lord, and we will be able to go from I cried unto the Lord to I will rejoice in the Lord in in, in verse number 18 of chapter number 3. How did Habakkuk get there? He got there by manning his post, by making a conscious choice, by standing in his station, by keeping watch for when God was going to answer him, for how God was going to answer him. He maintained clarity. He recorded what God had said, plain and simple, straightforward, making it straightforward. He remembered the vision. He said, this is what God has promised. This is what God has promised. I'm going to abide by it. He made sure to forsake his pride, looking at what had happened to the Babylonians, looking at what God had promised to the Chaldeans was going to happen to them. He forsook his pride, but not only did he forsake his pride, he followed righteousness. It says there in verse number four, behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. God presented this in his answer as a problem. Because here's the problem. That problem is that pride swells up and it pushes down righteousness. So how do we get rid of pride? Well, we seek and we pursue righteousness. You say, say, Pastor John, what do you mean by that? I mean, in a very practical sense. If your Netflix calendar is more full than your spiritual calendar, there's a problem. I'm not saying Netflix is wrong. I'm saying that if it's dominating your thought life, if it's dominating your calendar, your, the amount of hours you spend on a day. Hey, I love that PlayStation. I love that Xbox. But if it dominates more of your calendar than your time with God, it's a problem. If your commitment to the ball club is more important than your commitment to the house of God, it's a problem. If your commitment to growth in your knowledge of the business world and executing things in business to succeed is more more committed than your growth to the spiritual growth of God in your life and the truth of scripture in your life. It's a problem because pride swells up where uprightness and righteousness needed to grow. And we have to push that pride down and we have to be filled with uprightness. That word uprightness just means righteousness. Follow righteousness, forsake pride, fulfill faithfulness. In the King James, it ends by saying, but the just shall live by his faith. Many, many translations, that's how they translate it, his faith. And I believe that it is right. But it could also be said the way it is in the Amplified, the righteous man shall live by his faith and in his faithfulness. That is to say that it is through walking day by day in the faithfulness that God has laid out before us. In the truth of saying, yes, today was a tough day, but God is good and I'm going to be faithful to him. Yeah, he let me down. She let me down, but I'm going to be true to God. Oh, I don't understand this and I wish I had a better grasp of that Bible truth or this Bible truth. That's true, but I'm going to be faithful to the truth that I know. 
Thou shalt not lie. Okay, I know that much. I can't lie. What's going to happen in the end times? What's revelation about? What's about the doctrine of angelology? And what's the doctrine of the Holy Spirit of God? I don't understand it all. I'm growing in it. But I know that I'm not supposed to cheat. I know I'm not supposed to disobey my mom and dad. I'm going to live that truth. I'm going to be faithful to the faith that I know. And I'm going to grow in what I don't know. That goes from pushing pride down, letting righteousness grow, and being faithful to what I know. Faithful. Dear friend, this morning, I don't know what 2021 has in store for us. I pray that nothing but good blessings from God on high is what's coming. But regardless of what's coming, I can tell you this. You can go from worry to worship. You can go from burdens to blessings. You can go from confusion to confidence. You can go from saying, why, God, and asking God why, and you can go to what happened, and we don't have time to finish there, to go to chapter number three. And there is Habakkuk praising God for his goodness, for his faithfulness, for his victory. What changed? Nothing changed. He was still there. He was still looking at the destruction, but he believed God's word. He cleared his eyes of the filth that pride brought into his life. He cleared his eyes of looking at it humanly and started looking at it through the lens of godliness and righteousness. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. I was looking at this all wrong. Dear friend, may God help us not to look at it all wrong. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word this morning, Father. I tried to be as clear and concise as you could allow me to do, Father. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit will have done most of the work because I can't do any of it. But, Father, I pray that your word will have guided us to some truth that we can live out this morning and this day. Father, I I don't know where every one of my brothers and sisters here this morning are at, but I know this. I know that you're a good, patient, long-suffering God who says, even when you weren't at your post when you were supposed to be, I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you on a Sunday morning on January 3rd to open your eyes, open your heart, so that I can speak truth to your life. Perhaps this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor John, this morning God has spoken to me about some truths that I need to get right as I enter this new year, there's some things in my life that are just not right. I, I'm, not, I'm not maintaining my post. I, I'm not manning my post. I'm not maintaining clarity. Oh, I, I am not doing what I need to do in regards to my faith. I'm not mastering my faith. My faith is something I push to the back of my requirements, of things that are important in my life. But man, God has brought to me some conviction this morning. And I'm asking God to do a work in my heart this morning. If that's you this morning, would you slip your hand up and put it back down? I'd love to pray for you this morning. Anybody like that? Praise God. Praise God. Many hands all over the auditorium. Praise God. Anybody else that says, that's me, Pastor John. I know that I'm not where I need to be. I'm not mastering my faith. Pride has swelled up in me, and uprightness and righteousness is nowhere to be found. And man, I need God to do a work in me that I can't do in myself, in my strength. Only in him I can accomplish it. Anybody else slip their hand up? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would do something. I pray, Father, that you would just help each one of my brothers and sisters that raise their hand to take a few moments, whether it be in their car, whether it be at home, when they get there to their sofa, to their bedside, to just take a moment to call out to you. They raise their hand, and I know to pray for many of these hands that were raised but, Father, I pray that they would call out to you, to the one true God that can do anything and everything in their lives. I pray, Father, take us from worry 
to worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.